Hi, my name is Sophia Mashenkar. I'm Lilia Rongio. And I'm Ellie Britt, and this is the Impolitics Chat of the Table podcast. As always, due to the nature of this podcast, political issues are bound to come up, but any direct views expressed are our own and don't represent the Impolitics organization. In this episode, we will be discussing maternity leave, specifically paid maternity leave, and how it impacts the economy, the health of children and mothers, and um, also how unpaid leave can create disparities, and we'll be talking a little bit about the history surrounding paid and unpaid leave. I wanted to start by giving all of us the opportunity to discuss why maternity leave is important for maternal health specifically. Does anyone want to start for that? Well, I can go first if you want. So <clears throat> first of all, by having obviously a paid maternity leave, newborn babies can have that vital time with their mother when they're developing. And that is critical for them because I was actually researching it in the American Action Forum, and there was an article written by Tara O'Neill Hayes, and she mentions that um, children who have had a mother on a paid maternity leave have had like more opportunity to succeed, and obviously that creates um, long-term educational and earning outcomes for children, and also um children with mothers on maternity paid maternity leaves they have a higher immunization rates and baby checkups and obviously that will that means that they have all of their vaccines and as we know that vaccines are like so important right now more than ever and that means like every single one of those procedures will be up to date and you know, doctors will be able to detect if there are any problems. Whereas if the mother has to go to work straight after having a child because she is not capable to provide, you know, the economic means for her basic life, the child will likely not get all those vaccines and that will have like really horrible consequences in the future. Adding on to that, a study from UCSF found that the duration of Um, paid maternity leave significantly correlated with positive mother-child interactions. Um, And these interactions led to a more secure attachment style, um, more empathy in the children, and then also later academic success. So that ties back to what you were saying about how it's not just an in-the-moment thing about maternal or infant health. And it does have in-the-moment consequences, positive consequences, but it's also a long-term thing. um, And the prevalence of paid or unpaid or lack of maternity leave completely in one instance can have um, drastic consequences in the future. And it can create sort of a domino effect that ultimately controls a large portion of the trajectory of the child's life and also the rest of the mother's life and their relationship with that child. Um, Ellie, do you want to talk a little bit about why it's specifically important for maternal health? Yes, I definitely would. From that same UCSF UCSF study, um, it shows that uh, mothers that don't get that have less than eight weeks of maternity leave it's linked to poor mental health and increased depression um as they have to be away from them for longer so 
Yeah, and it's, it's not just that they have to be away from them for, for longer, it's that they miss out on a critical time to build bonds and to ensure the child's health and to also take care of themselves. I mean, exactly. carrying a child, carrying what will be a living human is a, it's a process. It's a hard process. <laughs> and then actually giving birth to that child is arguably for a lot of women an even harder process. And so to have such limited time to recover from that treacherous um, process is really, really hard on the mothers. Um, and also I wanna add that study didn't just find that less than eight weeks of any maternity leave, it was specifically less than eight weeks of paid maternity leave, which we'll get into this later, but a lot of people are like, oh, you have unpaid maternity leave, that's great. But in reality, um, paid maternity leave and unpaid maternity leave, there are so many differences in them and their outcomes. Um, and so it's not enough to just advocate for unpaid maternity leave. We need paid maternity leave specifically because there are significantly better outcomes when you have paid maternity leave. Um, I know I'm talking a lot, but I also wanted to add on to that, that women who uh, took paid maternity leave, um, they had a I don't remember the exact percentages, but there was a significantly lower risk of their own rehospitalization. And then also it um, significantly lowered the risk of rehospitalization for the infants. Um, and so, I mean, as we've all talked about, it's important for a mental health perspective, for a physical health perspective, and just for the um, trajectory of the baby's life, of the mother's life um, and the family system. Is there anything else that you guys want to add to that? Um, I was just wondering, like, so many people advocate, like, we obviously is a very, um, what's the word, is a very controversial issue, you know, the pro-life and the pro-choice. Like, if you're advocating for the pro-life, like, you should put in, like, the conditions for the mother to succeed in the future. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of having a child, like, in a society where a mother is not capable of taking care of her own baby like that's my dilemma and you know I was just wondering what are your thoughts on that you know without going too much into like the pro-choice pro-life debate I definitely exactly. agree with what you said in the idea of like how can you force a mother to have a child and then tell her that she can't have you know the basic necessities that she needs to bring up that child um and I think, you know, this goes into how a lot of the issues that we'll talk about in this podcast and in future podcast episodes and in past podcast episodes that we already talked about are very intersectional and everything is sort of intertwined. And I think that the intersectionality is hard for a lot of people to grasp. I think so often we get pigeonholed on one issue and we're, we've sort of are blind to how other issues are woven into that one issue. And so if you're only focused on this one issue, right? If someone is only focused on advocating their pro-life perspective, which is like, again, I don't wanna get fully into that. They might be so focused on just the pro-life aspect and like banning abortion that they don't take the time to realize that um, paid maternity leave is critical for um, success once that baby is born, or they don't realize um, that there are problems in the healthcare system that might make that mother or that baby have a lower quality of life. And there are so many other issues woven into it. And so I think that's why it's really important. And I think something that we're trying to do with this podcast is sort of broaden the view and um, promote intersectionality and sort of um, limit how much people can get just like pigeonholed in one issue and neglect the other areas that come into that issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to piggyback off that point, I actually have a point of view from 
a Republican and was once very anti-paid maternity leave, Megan McCain. Mm-hmm. Um, on The View, she states that after her pregnancy, she was physically unable to go back to work. And after six weeks, um, come back to work after six weeks. And then she states that she, the privilege that she had with pay, within paid maternity leave and how deeply angered she was that the rest of America was not afforded the same luxury. So I think once people are exposed and like get to experience what it's like to have a pregnancy and to experience either the privileges or the disadvantages of having paid maternity leave or not having paid maternity leave, suddenly once they're put in that situation, their opinion changes. Yeah, it's a matter of empathy um, and being able to understand that you know, if I have paid maternity leave, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person next to me also has paid maternity leave. Um, And we'll get into that later in this episode about the disparities that exist specifically within this issue. Um, But yeah, I definitely agree with what you said and how it's a matter of like, once you go through it, you realize how important important it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I think the next thing we wanted to talk about was um, maternity leave and the economy. And I think a really common misconception around these two sort of intersecting topics is that maternity leave will hurt the economy because it costs employers money or something like that. Um, But in reality, a lot of studies have shown that maternity leave and maternity leave actually um, helps the economy. Does anyone wanna sort of um, start us off with that? Well, I was actually researching um, in the Joint Economic Committee and it was a paper written and actually women with access to paid leave are significantly likely to more likely sorry to attend to their pre like pre-leave employers and to their wages and that means they can help like build their careers they can help others succeed and you know that will kind of if they retain the position that they have had before and they return that will also help close the wage gap, the pay gap or the wage gap. And also um, another study found that new mothers with access to paid leave like across different countries such as the United States, Great Britain and Japan, they're more likely to, you know, come come back to the same employer, not even like retain the same position, but come back and help that company grow and succeed. Yeah, to add on to that, um, just a little context before I say this, um, I could be saying this number wrong, but if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and like this hasn't changed since I last read it, it's eight states in Washington, D.C. that currently guarantee paid, um, uh, paid maternity leave or paid medical leave. And within those eight states is California. And there have been a lot of studies on California's Um, paid leave program. And they found that the majority of businesses reported um, a positive effect on productivity and employee morale. And then also the majority of business reported no increased costs and even 9% or sorry, and 9% even reported um, lower costs because they don't have to pay as much for employee benefits or there's not as much employee turnover because the uh, paid maternity leave correlates with worker retention and um, 
uh, wage stability and decreased use of public assistance. A study from the Joint Economic Committee found that women who take paid leave are 40% less likely to receive public assistance in the year after giving birth than women who keep working and have no leave at all. So on a micro scale, right, um, it's, it is monumental to have paid maternity leave for those things that I mentioned with um, employee morale and worker retention and lower turnover rates. Um, in productivity, but then also on a macro scale um, with things like public assistance and what I just said about how women who receive paid leave are 40% less likely to receive public assistance, it still has that monumental impact. Um, so overwhelmingly, I think it's clear that paid leave is um, a very, very, very positive thing for the economy. Ellie, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I do. Uh, from a similar study from California's paid leave program, from the Senator on Budget and Policy Priorities, um, California's paid leave program set an example by combating poverty um, and lowering the poverty risk of new mothers by 10.2% by providing paid leave for um, every, every, every mother in that state. Um, and then uh, as well, increase the household income of new mothers by 4.1%. Yeah. So it has tremendous impacts. Um, and as I was talking about, both in just like a person by person, business by business context, but also in just a, the greater economy context. Um, does anyone have anything they want to add on to that? Yeah, I just think that many people just underestimate women and their, you know, willingness to work and their motivation. And I think that has to be really taken into account. You know, we're not like women are not just having babies to take time off work women are having babies because obviously various reasons but so many women are also committed to their professional lives and you know I think people have to take that into account yeah and I think this goes back into like I think a question that viewers might have is like why are we talking about this our, our focus is getting women into politics and this is part of getting into women of getting women into politics um, you know, knocking down those barriers that exist. It's it's not just motivating women and making them see that it's a tangible career. It's doing the work to knock down the barriers that are making it so that even if they have that motivation and that drive, it they might be on a harder path to get there than their male counterparts. Um, and, you know, also, I mean, we're talking about how important women are in the workforce. I think they're underestimated. Um, uh, I'm reading something from the government archives right now that says that countries with a greater balance of men and women in the workplace and workforce have have greater growth, innovation and stability. Um, and so, you know, ensuring that women have what they need to stay in the workforce and that they aren't disadvantaged by literally their biology um, is so important in ensuring that we have not just equality in the political field, but in all fields in um, the workforce. Does anyone have anything they want to add on to that? Okay, then I think this is a great segue into our next topic that we wanted to cover with maternity leave and the disparities that unpaid leave can create. As always with an issue that um, is so clearly interwoven into the economy as we just discussed, economic disparities are going to go hand in hand with the policy that is passed on paid versus unpaid leave. Um, and research has continually shown, has continuously shown that there um, are tremendous disparities when you look at unpaid leave versus paid leave. Does anyone wanna um, start us off with getting into those disparities? Well, 
I mean, I, I can go with this. I was actually reading a human rights watch <coughs> article, and there was a like quite a few real life experiences from people in the US that were obviously you know affected by that. And there was this woman who um, had a third child, and also, you know, this kind of relates to sometimes fathers are not able to take time off work because her husband, well, obviously the family was in debt and she had unpaid leave. So, and they got behind on bills, obviously credit card bills, car payments, and the situation with food was also very difficult because obviously you have three children and those children have to have like the adequate uh, nutrition and also it, what it was shocking is that every time she would obviously come back to work and try to pump breast milk her um colleagues looked like revulsed repulsed and they were um complaining that she had to take breaks to pump breast milk, which you know I think is a fundamental human right. So yeah. she not only didn't have a proper paid maternity leave, she wasn't all she was also you know exhausted from all the pressure that she was under from all her colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is certainly a social and economic issue. Um, and there are so many social statements that exist, not only with the topic of paid maternity leave or even unpaid maternity leave, but also with just being a mother at work or being an expectant mother at work um, and how employers and colleagues might view you if you assume that identity. Um, and going into sort of the stats of it, a study from UCSF found that those who made less than 30,000 a year, 62% um, of them did not receive paid leave. Whereas those who made more than 75,000 a year, um, only 26% of them didn't receive paid leave. So um, there's a really, um, they the, the study describes it as a two-tiered system in which it certainly is where lower income families can't take the leave that they um, need. You know, we've, we've spent all this time talking about why it's not only good for the economy, but also for maternal health and child health. And low income families are being denied those benefits um, simply because you know, they're low income. Um, and because we don't have paid leave, we have unpaid leave and families can't afford to take unpaid leave if they don't have the money saved and they have to save the money by having a job that guarantees more income. So it creates sort of a cycle. Um, and another, another study um, found that women who were non-Hispanic or black and were privately insured and working full-time and were from higher income families were far more likely to receive paid maternity leave than those who um, didn't necessarily have those identities. And so there is such a um, drastic difference, not only in income status, but because of other systemic issues, because in, in race and in um, you know, the context of like your family system, if you come from generational wealth. And so there are so many other factors at play because as with all economic issues, you know, they're intersectional and they have race playing into them and they have gender playing into them. And there's so many other things playing into them that um, the context of paid, paid versus unpaid versus no maternity leave, although it sometimes seems isolated, it, it connects to almost every other issue you can think of um, for the reasons that I was just talking about. 
And I think this is something that not a lot of people realize. And I think a lot of people are like, great, you have unpaid leave. Great. No, not great. Because a lot of these women can't afford to take unpaid leave. Um, and that's really why we need paid leave versus unpaid leave. Ellie, you want to talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another perspective from Allison Felix, the Olympic track star, and how she talks about in an interview with Today, she says that before she spoke out about about maternity leave and Olympic athletes and their maternity leave, that there wasn't any. That athletes who went on maternity leave would often lose their sponsorships and op- and if they were to keep like keep with athletes, they would lose all their time with their newborns. They would lose their sponsorships. Uh, they would lose time with their babies, and there wasn't any protection surrounding their careers at all. So if they decided to stop, it was so hard for them to continue after they had got, had had a baby. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a that's an incredibly important story. I think it shows that again, this isn't only like a legislation thing, it's also a social thing. Um, and we can guarantee paid or unpaid leave as much as we want, but there is also a social dynamic that needs to be shifted within this. Like people all over the world need to speak about those issues because it affects the society as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, politics. Yeah. It, I, practically new people are coming into the society those people will be the future of the society. And if we don't ensure their well-being and their, you know, development now, what will be of our society? Yeah. And the issue of um, maternity leave is unique in that it's not just how is this going to affect the American society or the American economy, or how is this going to affect the European society or European economy? It's all of humanity. It's not just an individual isolated society or economy. Um, And for a lot of women and for a lot of families and a lot of infants, the um, presence of or lack of maternity leave is a life or death situation. Um, You know, going back to what I was talking about earlier with those hospitalization rates, it can greatly impact the health of the mother and of the child. Um, And so, um, you know, on a broader scale, it affects humanity, yes, but also we need to recognize that for a lot of people, like the lack of maternity leave costs them their lives. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people fail to recognize and it goes back into the disparities thing. How can we ensure, how can we guarantee these white um, higher income individuals the chance or a better chance at um, giving their newborn and themselves a longer, healthier, happier life, and then deny that to low-income non-white women. There are so many things wrong with that idea. And I think a lot of people are like, oh no, it's politics. I'm going to stay out of it. How can you stay out of an issue like that? That is so just like, it's very clearly racist and um, uh, classist and sexist. Um, And I think to stay out of that is to, um, you know, in staying out of that, you're being complicit with um, a system that is going to literally result in the death of mothers and of newborn babies, which might seem like an extreme, but the stats tell us that it's that that's not really an extreme thing to say. You could not have said it better. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Courage. (laughs) is there anything that you guys want to add on to the disparity aspect I know we got a little bit into some other things there too if you want to add anything else 
Well, I think talking about the disparities is um, actually a good segue into the history surrounding paid leave, because there are a lot of racial issues that play into that and economic issues. Um, we could talk about the Red Scare and viewing Black women as legitimate workers in the workforce and so many other things. Does anyone want to start us off with that? I can. Are I you... guess. Okay, perfect. I'll... Yeah. Go, yes. perfect. So, you know, the whole um, paid paternal leave, maternal leave is a really complex aspect that kind of has its roots well, in the US after World War II. Mm-hmm. especially when U.S. was, you know, one of the biggest forces on the planet. And it was sort of to shape the cultural identity of individualism and self-determination. Mm-hmm. And um, however, now um, there's a significant push for change. For example, um, the facts provided by um, American Action Forum tell us that President Joe Biden proposed a $225 billion package of paid family leave and medical leave benefits. And that would, as a consequence, allow people to take 12 weeks um, paid leave to care for their newborn family member. So, you know, that will hopefully improve the situation. But um, roughly, I think 82% of Americans support access to parental leave. So, you know, definitely we have the population on our side. So it's just the politicians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just talk about like before maternity leave was even a concept. From like the 1880s, the 1950s, um, employers who actually hired women had uh, marriage bars where once a woman was married, she was considered no longer fit to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she would have to just, there wasn't, there was no thing as maternity leave then, you couldn't do anything. You had to stay home with your kids after you'd gotten married, which I was definitely yeah. infuriated me a little bit, but. And then during the Great Depression, how employers began to realize that, um, working married women were stealing the jobs of men who needed to support their families and single women who needed to support themselves. Yeah. So then taking all of that into account, uh, just the amount of setbacks that women have had even before or with even the idea of marriage and how married how marriage ties in to maternity leave and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to steer a little bit off topic and I'm going to bring it back to history, I promise. But um, you said something about how, you know, employers thought that women were stealing the jobs of men. I think a lot of times, you know, even today, that, I know you're talking about like after the Great Depression, but yeah. even today, there's this notion of like, oh, she stole that job. Or like, um, if people uh, from lower income backgrounds, you know, we pass legislation that levels the playing field for that for them. They're going to be stealing our place out of college, or they're going to be stealing our place, or they're going to be stealing our employment opportunities. They're not stealing it; they're earning it. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, because people have certain identities, we're so quick to say that they're stealing it, as if they did not have like the natural capability to achieve that had they had. Um, the same starting level. And then once they have the same starting level, they're stealing it. 
but you know they earned it fair and square like I don't I don't know how you can deny that um if they you know studied hard in college and they got an internship so that they could get experience and they managed maybe working to support their family with being a student which is so hard to do and then they come out of that workforce or they come out of that sorry they come out of college and they probably honestly maybe put in more work than you because like I said maybe they're working to support their family while still being a full-time student or um, working to support even just themselves while still being a full-time student they come out of that situation they earn a job all of a sudden they stole it from you because you felt like you were entitled to it all. You felt like you were entitled to it to start with when in reality, just flat out, you weren't. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people go through their lives feeling entitled to these things. And then the second something doesn't go their way, someone else is at fault and someone else stole it when really in reality, it's probably them at fault. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that because I think that's like an interesting concept that I hear so often, not just in like conversations about the past, but also today. To bring it back into the history of maternity leave, um, maternity leave as a whole, not even unpaid or paid, but just the, the concept, um, it has a lot of its history in the Red Scare and um, societal ideas that were like, communism, ah, it's going to hurt us. And maternity leave was seen as a form of like um, welfare socialism and people um, so often equate socialism with communism. And so because of that, people really opposed maternity leave because they associated it with communism or socialism. Um, and then even beyond that, uh, I think we need to recognize that maternity leave for a while, it was hard to get in part because of the actions of white women. Um, for a while, um, maternity leave was looked down upon because they, because people and white women too, specifically didn't want to ensure that black women had access to maternity leave. Um, in racist eyes, black women were not a part of the real workforce. They weren't workforce. They weren't legitimate workers. Um, and I think with, if we don't acknowledge that it has this racist past specifically from white women, then we aren't doing the topic justice. And I think um, in conversations about the state of the, of the topic now and, and in the future, we still need to acknowledge the past and um, it's really complicated and troubling history. Anything else you guys want to add? No, I think you summarized it really well. Awesome. Um, so I know this wasn't necessarily on our written plan, but I think it would be interesting if we could talk maybe, I know we're like going a little bit over with this one, but I think this is a really interesting um, topic to explore. Uh, if you guys want to talk about, you know, maybe what governments could do in the future from your idea or from things from your ideas or from things that you've seen past in maybe certain states or certain countries. Um, and just, you know, knowing the state of maternity leave and knowing its history, where can we go from here? I think that women and actually not only women but fathers as well should be offered you know um you know the same conditions for a paid parental leave in terms of you know when you're having a child a child needs both parents so obviously a mother is crucial but I think a father's role is extremely important so I think right now Finland is one of the countries, or maybe one of the Scandinavian countries, is 
including a paternal, is that called paternal? Yeah, paternal. Paternal leave. And, you know, I'm I'm more than sure that has um, positive effects mm -hmm. on the child's development. So I think in the future, governments should include definitely both parents in the um, paternal leave because, you know, the child does need, you know, the support of the two parents that did help produce the newborn baby. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting idea and in that we talk a lot about maternity leave and even this episode was sort of dedicated to talking about maternity leave. Um, but so often we ignore paternal leave. I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but I think that makes sense for the title. Um, and I think that goes into sort of like, and again, to bring us back to the history and how like it was the women's job, it still in a lot of places is the women's job to take care of the kids and maintain the household and cook dinner and blah, 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 blah. Um, we emphasize too highly the idea that it has to be a woman taking care of the kids, when in reality, it could be a male figure, or it could be two women or two men or a single mom or a single um a single father, or it could be maybe two non-binary individuals. But I think, you know, gendering leave specifically for babies, and we're guilty of doing it in this episode, but that's just because it's what, what's most commonly known as. But gendering leave is something that I think we're all at fault of. Um, and I think it's definitely an idea that maybe um, we need to start sort of getting away from and just calling it like parental leave and ensuring that a baby has a steady parent or um, you know, in an ideal world, two parent um, household to, um, I guess, grow up in. Anyway, that was a little bit tangenty, but um, anyway, I, I have some stuff I want to talk about. But Ellie, do you have anything you want to talk about for like the future? I was just about like in the future, specifically like within like the U.S. or any states that or any countries or states that don't offer maternity leave for them to offer maternity leave for all their states, all of their provinces. Uh, yeah. That's like a big thing that I would like, especially it's so essential to the economic growth, you know, parental health. Yes. And the development of the child. I feel like it's a human right that maternity leave exists. Yeah. And I like Yes, paid maternity leave. Yeah. But I like what you said about how it needs to be consistent and how we need you know, a federal guarantee of paid maternity leave. It's not enough to have it on a state-by-state -state thing. And I think that goes back to what I said in the, what I said earlier about how like change, both social, systemic, whatever you want it to be, starts with policy, um, but you need consistent policy to ensure that that change has the greatest impact it can have. Um, and so, you know, with that, you need federal policies guaranteeing specifically paid maternity leave. Um, and I think aside from, you know, a clear and cut policy guaranteeing paid maternity leave. I think there are other things that governments can do if maybe they don't want to take that sort of, I think a lot of governments view it as like a big unreachable step. Um, there are other things that governments can do to incentivize companies to give off, to give paid. There are other things that governments can do to incentivize companies to provide paid maternity leave without specifically requiring that companies provide paid maternity leave. This isn't very, this isn't, um, this isn't, this doesn't need to be a black and white issue. I think in an ideal world, we have a guarantee for federal paid maternity leave. But while we're getting to that um, sort of perfect point, there are things that governments can do on the way there, like maybe um, offering tax write-offs, tax cuts to companies that provide 12-week paid maternity leave. 
Um, and that way companies will be like, oh, we can save money on our taxes if we provide our workers with this essential thing. Or you can require companies that meet a certain income threshold to provide 12 week paid maternity leave. Because I think, you know, one, um, one opposing view that a lot of people might hold is that maternity leave doesn't make sense for things like small businesses that don't always have the funds to lose an employer for 12 weeks or to like hire a temporary, um, sorry, not lose an employer, lose an employee for 12 weeks, or they don't always have the funds to hire a temporary employee for 12 weeks. Um, and so taking that into account, just setting a threshold so that at least, um, some companies are providing paid maternity leave versus none. And I think that gets back into the economic disparity where it doesn't necessarily remedy that economic disparity. Yes, that's a limitation of that policy idea. But I think um, all work towards the ideal is good work and it's a start. It's certainly not enough, but it's a start. And I think also um, businesses, large businesses, that don't pay their employers, that don't pay their employees enough, you know, those aren't small businesses. They have the funds to provide paid 12-week maternity leave. They choose not to. Um, so companies that meet a threshold like McDonald's, for example, that doesn't pay its employees great, but certainly has the means to, you know, um, requiring that companies that are in like, a similar financial position um, provide 12-week maternity leave would not only obviously help um, women and infants and fathers and just general parents, um, but it would also, and the, and the economy, but it would also, um, I think, get us in the right direction of holding these massive companies accountable specifically for the dignity of their workers. I know I talked a lot this episode. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to add on? I'm good. I think we've covered everything very nicely and, you know, tried to educate people. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie, anything? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I think we all hope that you learned a bit from this and you found it interesting and engaging. Um, as always, be sure to interact with us on social media and on our website, which I will let Sophia talk about. Um, please visit us on Instagram at mpolitics as well as TikTok and Twitter at mpolitics team to stay up to date with what's happening at politics. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter, newsletter via the Get Involved um, section of our website.